You're listening to the North American Francophone Podcast, hosted in English by Claire-Marie Brisson and proudly recorded in Charlottesville, Virginia. Joining us today on the North American Francophone Podcast, I'm excited to present Aditya Wiswiswaran. He is somebody who is very engaged in the Francophonie, a student at University of Montreal, the chair of the Edmonton Youth Council, and a proud Tamil Canadian and Francophone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the North American Francophone Podcast. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about your French language learning journey. What did your educational trajectory look like growing up and how has that impacted you today? Yeah, so my educational trajectory was kind of all over the place. In kindergarten, I started in an English kindergarten program in Ontario, where I did all my kindergarten, two years of kindergarten in the city of Burlington. Then my dad got a job in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is the heart of the country where we moved. And my parents decided to put me in French immersion. So from grade one all the way to grade six, I did French immersion. And my parents, being immigrants from India, thought that I might forget my English. And French immersion junior high was kind of far away. So they put me in the English stream from grade six to nine. When I got to grade nine, I decided that I wanted to go back into French immersion. I loved the language. I loved the culture, the community, even the French immersion community. It's so small and tight-knit. So I really wanted to go back, and I had to do a couple tests, uh, do a couple interviews, and I got back into the French immersion program from grades 10 to 12. And then I decided that I wanted to continue my education in French. So I did one year um, of a Bachelor of Secondary Education at the, at the Campus Saint-Jean of the University of Alberta. And I've decided to move to Montreal for the rest of my education. So I'll be doing a minor in arts and sciences at the Université de Montréal. And I hope to continue my education degree after that. That's incredible. And with that trajectory, you know, you were in an Anglophone environment, you were in a Francophone environment, and then sort of between the two, I'm going to take a little inspiration from two French philosophers, Félix Gattari and Gilles Deleuze. And they wrote a book, A Thousand Plateaus. This is really a seminal work where Deleuze and Gattari come up with the idea of something called a rhizome, right? A way of thinking in multiplicities without a hierarchy, without a real beginning, without a real end, sort of just you going in different directions. So I'm seeing this as, you know, you speaking French, you speaking English, you having an identity as a Tamil Canadian, you having an identity of living in Ontario, and then moving to different parts of Canada. And I'm wondering if that trajectory of many directions and many layers has given you a different identity, but also has given you complexities because of those layers? Yeah, that's a super great question. I, I definitely think that is the case. I do proudly identify as a Francophone, but I know that my identity doesn't end there. And I think we all wear different hats. And from time to time, depending on the situation and the circumstances around us, we put on one hat that the world can see while we might have like a repertoire of other hats or a collection of other hats that we have to put on the back burner for a second. Having so many identities and having so many layers of my identity can sometimes even mix me up. I can be like, who am I? Or like, what is my identity? Because there's so much to it. And so also when I go from a community to another community, so when I'm in the Tamil community, I sometimes feel like an outsider because I was born in the United States, in New Jersey, and I grew up in Canada. But then when I'm in the community here, in the Francophone community, I sometimes feel like, oh, well, 
I'm not really a Francophone because my parents don't speak French. I come from a French immersion program. So having such a complex identity is definitely difficult in terms of navigating who I am and also making sure that I feel like I fit into a community. But I think the people around me and the community that I'm in always make sure that I feel like I have a place where I am. And that's wonderful because, you know, your story is so much of what the North American story is, right? People going across the border between the U.S. and Canada, going to different places, speaking different languages, and having that cultural connection to another place in the world. And I think that, you know, for my listeners within Canada and also outside of Canada, they can really connect with this story. But maybe some of my listeners might not know a little bit about the immersion programs in Canada. Could you tell my listeners about that? As someone who is doing or was doing um, an education degree, currently on pause with that. But um, I learned a lot about the French immersion program in terms of its history and why it came about. So French immersion is actually a program that might actually be very unique to Canada and our cultural setting here. Uh, basically, it's meant for children of parents who don't speak French. Uh, it's meant for Anglophones as well as Allophone students. And it's really, it is what the name suggests it is. It's really a classroom setting where students are immersed in the language and immersed in the culture. So throughout our years, we start off learning French in kindergarten. Teachers don't speak English to us at all until grade two, where we begin learning English as a formal course in grade two. And um, that continues. And the whole program is really just students in an Anglophone environment, but really immersed in a Francophone setting. Uh, our teachers sometimes are from different parts of the world, different Francophone countries, or they might just be Francophone or French immersion students themselves who have graduated from the program and got a degree um, from either a Francophone university or an Anglophone university. So yeah, the French immersion program is something that a lot of students go through and it's really great and I recommend it to any parents who might be putting their kids into school this coming September. And when you were going into that environment for the first time, you know, your parents didn't speak French, you may have spoken multiple languages at home and then all of a sudden you go to a new place and you're speaking French or are being spoken to in French. Do you think that for you as a kid that was something that was daunting at all? Uh, no, not really. So uh, at home, I speak Tamil, uh, as I am a Tamil Canadian, and my ancestral language is Sanskrit. So these are two languages that are quite connected to me. They're from my roots. Uh, outside of home, I speak English uh, wherever I go, and in Winnipeg, as well as in Edmonton. Even when I was in Burlington, English was the language that was used by the public. So going into school for the first time in Winnipeg, as a grade one student, I thought everyone went to school in French. I thought French immersion was the thing that everyone is doing, that everyone's parents put their kids in school in French, and that it was the language that school happened in, whereas socializing happened in English. So I feel like as a kid, I wasn't too daunted by the fact that I didn't speak French. In fact, the very first memory I have of French immersion is my first day going into Ecole Marianne Gabouti in Winnipeg, where I was so proud that I knew the words crayon and pum, which means pencil and apple. Um, and looking back now, I can proudly say I know much more in French than that, but it was not daunting at all going into French immersion. It was really the start to a really big future, and who knew that everything I do now would my entire career would end up being in French, perhaps. 
And it's amazing how inclusive that environment is and how supportive that environment is. It's also funny because I grew up right on the other side of the border. I was very close to Windsor, Ontario in Dearborn, Michigan. And I remember my experience being very different because it was only Anglophone. Uh, my classroom was filled with students who spoke Spanish or Arabic or Romanian. And there I was with my French and English background. And I remember one day in kindergarten, I look over to my classmate and I say, hey, can you hand me the livre? And my classmate looks at me like, I have no idea what's going on here. I can't help you with that, right? And so that is a baggage that I carry with me today is, you know, not being accepted, not having those exchanges that I'm hearing that you had in that environment with people who were with a language they didn't even speak at home. And it's really fascinating to hear that perspective. Yeah, I think you mentioned how my, my setting seems to have been inclusive and stuff. So I, I find the same thing. French immersion is a very inclusive space. We find that we have more diverse students. Um, lately, we have more and more diverse students, people coming from different um, ethnicities and different cultures all coming together under the same roof of French. And I think that's a wonderful thing because when I was in kindergarten in um, for grade one in Winnipeg, I was the only non-Caucasian student in the French immersion program in my grade. So that's changed a lot. And I see that because my, my mother works in a French immersion school, even though she doesn't speak um, French, she works in an English school with a French immersion program. And uh, she sees a lot of kids from different parts of the world and parents who don't even speak English yet, but they wanted their kids to speak both Canadian languages, which are French and English. So French immersion is a really inclusive place. But it also sometimes in our schools that have English programs with French programs within the school, sometimes we can feel like we're a little community, we're a little bubble, we're a little family. And I remember in grade one, four or five, uh, when we would play soccer outside with the other boys who were in the English program, we were known as the French toast and they were known as the English muffins. So I think <laughs> there was always that distinction between the French immersion students and the English students which I hope might change and we can all just come together. And in your experience, how do you think former immersion program students who identify as Francophone are represented in society? Are there stereotypes surrounding French immersion programs and maybe people who think of themselves as native Francophones? Do they have some sort of resistance to people who've gone through these programs? Yeah, so you might have heard of Denise Bombardier. Uh, she was... Um, a reporter with Tattoo Canada, I think. And she is sometimes seen as uh, a militante francophone. A militante francophone is someone who is really, really sometimes picky about who francophones are. And she even suggested that there aren't any francophones that exist outside of Quebec. She was very picky with who a francophone is. And there are a lot of people who are very picky about who is a francophone. And the expression of francophone de souche, or someone who comes from a francophone background or a lineage, um, they're often seen as francophone, whereas people who are learning French or who have learned French but are still active members of the francophonie are not always seen as francophone, which kind of makes our francophonie a place that's not so inclusive. So my experiences in French immersion were pretty inclusive and I had a great time there, but going into the real world, which is the real francophonie, I haven't always felt like I am a part. I have a place in the community. I sometimes feel othered because, well, my parents don't speak French, and so I'm not seen as a francophone. But when you look at the dictionary, the definition for francophone literally means someone who 
French. It's not someone who has French blood or French background. So I think it's important to have a distinction of who is coming from a, Fran a Francophone genetic background, because when it comes to schools here in Canada with Francophone schools, Section 23 of Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms only applies to those people, so they can get into those schools and have a secure Francophone education. But when we go into the real Francophone community, I think it's important to be inclusive and um, accept everyone who wants to be a part of the community. So a lot of French immersion students don't always, after grade 12, after graduating our program, we don't always go to Francophone universities or French schools or continue our education in French. And the reason that may be is because we don't always feel like we have a place in the community. We wonder where, what is my role in the Francophone community? Am I, am I going to be seen as a Francophone? And that also stems from our own linguistic insecurity, our fears around speaking French. So linguistic insecurity is something that's talked about in a lot of Francophone communities and Francophone schools. But growing up in the French immersion program, I often, I didn't even know what Frank linguistic insecurity was until a year or two ago when I joined some French events with Francophone youth, Franco-Albertan youth. It was at that event that they spoke about linguistic insecurity and it kind of occurred to me that, hey, this is something I've been experiencing since I was younger. I wonder why French immersion students don't hear about it or talk about it at all. So yeah, I think there are stereotypes that French immersion students who come out of the program, they speak with an accent that is heavily influenced by our Anglophone or Allophone sides. That's a stereotype that's there. But when people hear me speak French, they're often surprised that my parents don't speak French or that I come from an Allophone background. I think that stereotype kind of needs to go and it is very much a generalization. And if the Francophonie becomes more and more inclusive, I think a lot of French immersion students would love to continue their education in French and really be a part of the Francophone community. You know, and I think this is an initiative that really needs to be pushed, not just with Francophone communities, but in general. I know that a lot of my friends, when, you know, they are encountered and they have a name that specifically looks like it is attached to a certain language, that they're expected to speak that language. And there's also those assumptions that make it very difficult for people in North America in general. And for me, you know, with my name, when people see my name, which is very Francophone, then they start coming up with ideas about me, stereotypes. I remember as a child, people would always say, well, how was it growing up in Paris? And I even get that now, you know, where people are asking, am I French? Am I from France? And when I say, no, I'm not from France. No, I'm not French. Then all of a sudden that authority or that agency that I had with the French language is gone. And oh, well, you're just an American oh, well, you're just a Canadian. Oh, well, you just learned French, right? Or you just learned insert any other language. And that's so dangerous because if you speak another language, you speak the language, plain and simple, right? It doesn't matter to what level you speak the language, even if you're an intermediate student or somebody who is just learning the basics of the passé composé, you still are a francophone. And um, you're absolutely right in saying that there's a lot of resistance to that, which is so unfortunate. And from my side of things as an academic and as a French instructor, I see that all the time and it's disheartening. So why do you think there is such hesitation or lack of acceptance for immersion students or people who've just learned another language in society? I think I completely understand where Francophones uh, are coming from when they sometimes might be a little 
hesitant when it comes to accepting people who are coming from a different culture who have learned their language. Just given Canadian history or North American Francophone history in general, it does make sense that we want to, when I say we, I mean Francophones, um, we want to be very careful about preserving our language and our culture. And so we don't want to, and I think a part of that means that sometimes we get exclusive and we might form a bubble and say, hey, these are Francophones and these people are not Francophones. Again, that does become very dangerous and it becomes difficult with really expanding our Francophonie and making it a better, more inclusive community. More like these days, we find that sometimes it's hard to find Francophones around or the numbers are going down, but in reality, they are going up, even though it may feel like it's going down. And that feeling of Francophone community or a Francophone population going down can really, in a way, kind of be beneficial in that people will come together and say, hey, you can be a Francophone too. We are a community. We want more people in our community. And I think when we feel like our communities are not strengthened by numbers of Francophones who come from French backgrounds, I think it's important to realize that there are others too who want to be part of the community and aren't here to attack or aren't here to threaten the vitality of the Francophone. Sort of on the same topic, what do you think Canadians, and especially Francophone Canadians, and then maybe more broadly, Francophones, do to address this, do to address that hesitation or lack of acceptance for immersion students? I think uh, as an education student, I think the biggest thing is to find bridges or connections for French immersion and Francophone students to come together throughout their education, not just in high school, not just at the end of high school. I think those bridges and connections need to start as early as kindergarten to show that Francophones exist and to show Francophone students that there are other cultures and other people who are trying to learn their language and culture. And I think acceptance can start at a really young age. And by introducing kindergartens into the French immersion program and kindergarten students in the Francophone programs, they can form friendships and connections and that can just grow and really form a really strong Francophone. As Canadians, um, I think it's important to continue to show the Francophone community that um, we're with them and we want our, our children to learn French. We want them to understand the culture, the history behind the Francophones in all of North America and here in Canada. And for Francophones, I think it's important to understand that people are here to learn their language and here to learn their culture and that these people aren't here to threaten um, the Francophone community or its vitality. Coming from your southern neighbor, the language-less country, the language-full country with so many languages down here in the United States, what do you think we can do as neighbors to Canada to better understand that this is a multilinguistic country. As an example, you know, if you're living just south of Alberta, I'm sure a lot of people in the United States would not know that there are Francophones there and that there's a vibrant Francophone community. How do you think that we can start addressing that lack of knowledge? Really, our social studies and our history classes need to be reframed in a way that Francophone history is put into it, as well as our Indigenous brothers and sisters. Their history needs to be included as well. And it's not until university that I learned that Francophones have a really important role in Albertan history, that French was the first European language spoken on, on this land um, before Anglophones came and settled the area. The history with the Campus Saint-Jean of the University of Alberta, which dates back to 112 years now, these are 
really important pillars to the Francophone community here in Alberta that I didn't learn about until university. And I probably wouldn't have learned about if I didn't go to Campus Saint-Jean or if I didn't continue my education in French. And so I think our education system needs to be reframed in a way where history from other cultures and other perspectives are included, um, be that immigrant perspectives and refugee perspectives, indigenous perspectives, francophone perspectives. I think all of these need to be framed and woven together in a way that is balanced out. Because right now, I think our history can be very whitewashed and very one-sided. And the only way for people to become more aware and more inclusive is to educate them. And uh, that's kind of why I'm going into education. I think that's a wonderful initiative to go into education. We need more people like you who are so passionate about this. And your work also addresses inclusivity and youth issues as your chair of the Edmonton Youth Council and as a student at Université de Montréal. I'm wondering, what are some of the most important issues to you at this point? Yeah. I think at the moment, um, as soon as I graduated from French Immersion from, in grade 12, I've been trying to promote an inclusive francophonie. And um, that kind of means going around forming friendships and also explaining my, my story of how I came to be a francophone, how I joined the francophonie, and making people aware that people like me exist. and. Just yesterday, I actually did an interview with Le Réveil Franco, which is a youth organization in, based in Ontario. And the topic was um, Les Jeunes Issus de l'Immersion Française, so um, students or young people who have graduated from the French Immersion Program and how we also are part of the Francophonie. And in this interview, I met two other young people who are just like me. They did French Immersion. Their parents are Anglophone or Allophone. And they're really very active members of the Francophonie. And I think it's important that youth like us go around and tell people that, hey, we're different. We're not always people who were born in Francophone communities, but we are Francophone. And um, that's one way of doing it. And on the youth council and stuff like that, I think it's always important to advocate for the use of French as well. I kind of like to do that wherever I go. Since I am in Canada, I like to use my French. Um, not too long ago, I was, I've started doing this thing when people open doors for me, I'll say merci instead of thank you. Or when I get off the bus, I'll say merci instead of thank you as well. So I think just putting my French everywhere I can, making, allowing people to use their own French, I think that's also a way of, again, I jumped into a story real quick. I was taking the bus not too long ago and I said bonjour as I got onto the bus. And the bus driver said that he used to be a French immersion student way back when he was in school and that he's just lost his French because he just couldn't find anyone to speak with. And he really appreciated the fact that I greeted him with bonjour and left the bus and left you. And I think more and more French immersion students would keep their French if, if we had the chance to use it and if we get rid of that linguistic insecurity that French immersion students also experience. And you're providing such a rich linguistic visibility when you do things like that. And it's the everyday things. It's going to the grocery store. It's getting on the bus. It's holding a door open for somebody, right? And, you know, using your French in that way, it, it does a lot. So an example on my end, I was on the phone in an airport months ago before our current global situation. And I remember I was on the phone in French and, you know, hung up the phone, was just sitting there. And somebody came up to me and said, 
mais je parle français aussi. And that was a moment where, you know, I'm in the United States, I'm just sitting there, and then all of a sudden, a francophone community pops up. And that's the beauty of language is that you're able to have connections that you wouldn't have before. You know, I've had Uber rides. I've been on buses next to people who speak French. I've been all around the world. You know, even in Europe, I remember um, I was in Germany and all of a sudden, you know, a French conversation popped up because I had used French. So it's really right. fun and really great to have those experiences. Definitely. I think sometimes it can also be scary, though, putting ourselves out um, using that language. Uh, one time I was taking the bus with a friend and um, we were on the bus and this man told us to speak white. Uh, we were on our way to Quebec Saint-Jean speaking in French. Uh, and that was one experience. Another time I was speaking French on the phone to a friend at a bus stop. And um, this woman said, hey, tu parles le français bien pour une personne qui n'est pas canadien. Hey, you speak French great for someone who's not Canadian. And I was like, oh, well, uh, thank you so much. But I am, in fact, Canadian. In fact, I identify as Francophone. So things like that happen. And speaking a language can also be scary, putting ourselves out there in another language. But I guess having seen both sides, um, the good and the bad, the goodness of it is it's so much more worth it. And I think I really encourage anyone else to continue putting themselves out there, um, speaking in French and making themselves visible, even if you might have one or two bad experiences. I'm sorry you had to go through that. That is something that will stay with you, I think, for the rest of your life, those negative experiences. I remember that sometimes I've spoken French in public and I will be viewed, you know, and there's a visible othering that happens when somebody views you when you're speaking the minority language in an area, you know, and this is true for people who speak multiple languages. Growing up in Dearborn, Michigan, there is a minority language, a very vibrant minority language of Arabic speakers in Dearborn. And in Dearborn, that's for them a community that's comfortable. But outside of Dearborn, if I saw a person who is from the community speaking Arabic, they would be viewed, right? There would be mm -hmm. this discomfort from the community at large. And it's so unfortunate to hear that's happening also for you in Canada with French. But This is something that's much larger than just a French language issue. It's a language issue, majority versus minority languages, I think, in the whole world. And I think that your work to address inclusivity and youth issues in Francophone circles is an issue that can be raised in, you know, the Latinx communities in the United States. It can be raised in all sorts of minority language communities across the world. So I really want to thank you for all the hard work that you are doing and for all the the things that uh, language immersion students are doing to promote the francophonie. It's funny because there are a lot of people who associate French language speakers with people who are aging. And this is true, especially in Louisiana. This is true in New England, that this is an old language. This is a language that is not spoken anymore. It was brought there by francophones who are, you know, fading out into the historical past. But I think that what you're doing is very much underlining how much of a present it is. You know, the numbers of Francophone speakers are growing incredibly in the world. And I think that you're highlighting how important that vitality is. Definitely. So how can my listeners best engage with you? I'm sure that they're just fascinated by the work that you're doing and maybe they want to help you out and those who work with you. Is there a good place for them to email you or contact you? Yeah, so if anyone wants to get in touch with me, they can on Twitter. Um, I tweet 
tweet a lot. And uh, my Twitter is A-H-D-I-T-H-Y-A-V. Uh, that's my first name and the initial of my last name. Uh, they can also contact me on Instagram, which is A-H-B-I-D-I-S-B-E-S-H. Um, those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me. And thank you again for being on the North American Francophone podcast. I can't wait to see what you do next. It seems like you're already on a path to doing great things. And stay safe there. I know you're in Edmonton right now. As you go to Montreal, stay safe and uh, stay positive during this very difficult time. But it seems like you're doing an okay job of that. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Merci beaucoup et à bientôt. Merci beaucoup. And thank you to all of my listeners for once again tuning in to the North American Francophone podcast. I'm excited for more episodes, and as the semester continues, I think I'm going to stay on the summer schedule until I get settled into the new semester. If you have a topic that you'd like to present on the podcast, feel free to email me at northamericanfrancophone at gmail.com. And as always, stay in touch on thefrancophone.com, as well as on our social media at the underscore francophone on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search The North American Francophone Podcast. Thanks so much. Take care and stay safe.